What's going on, guys? Today is Friday, October 28th. This is the We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a sports ethos presentation. Sam Orlick here, your host. The Warriors are sitting at a record now of three games, two losses. We've got a couple games I want to break down here. The beatdown in Phoenix, the Clay Thompson ejection. We'll get into all of that, followed by a nice bounce back game at home against the Miami Heat. So first and foremost, Warriors at Phoenix, first game on the road, 105 to 134 was the final score. This was a very close game in the first quarter and second half, 66 to 72 was the score going into halftime. Warriors, unfortunately, gave up 70 first half points for the third consecutive game. This was the most in franchise history. Basically, other than the Los Angeles Lakers, the home opener, the Warriors gave up 70 points in the first half to the rest of the of their opponents. Obviously, defense has been a point of emphasis uh, for the Warriors so far in this early going of the season. Quite a change of pace from last season, which is really what allowed the Warriors to get out to that incredible 18-2 start in the 21-22 season. Talking a little bit more about defense and where some of the struggles are, I mean, I think most importantly, it's personnel. And you need to acknowledge the loss of Otto Porter Jr., Gary Payton II, Damian Lee, Juan Toscano-Anderson, Nemanja Bielitsa. These, you know, outside of of GP2 and Otto Porter Jr., I mean, Damian Lee is is definitely a solid defender. He's not one to make a lot of mistakes. Same same with Toscano-Anderson. I don't think either of those guys would classify as elite defenders. I think Gary Payton II you would definitely slot into that elite defender conversation. Um, I don't know if I'd go as far to say defensive player of the year candidate, even last season for the Warriors, but definitely GP2 is a guy who can make plays defensively, guard one through four, sometimes even the five, um, and he's just a menace out there defending guards and wings and even forwards. Otto Porter Jr. also... Great defensively, not quite as quick as he was in his younger days, but at least understanding principles and just high IQ type of guy, knows how to put himself in the right position, help side, weak side, etc. So losing those guys and, and just, you know, real quick, I want to point out that both of these players, Otto Porter Jr. and Gary Payton II, are currently injured for their new teams. So it's hard to kind of, in a vacuum, say, well, if the Warriors had been able to re-sign Otto Porter Jr. and, and Gary Payton II, like everyone wanted them to, their defense would be so much better, blah, blah, blah. Well, if we were to assume that to be the case and, and be in present day, both those guys would be out with respective injuries. Neither have played a game in the regular season thus far, GP2 with the Portland Trailblazers and Otto Porter Jr. with the Toronto Raptors. So, just want to put that out there. Those guys are older in their older age. You know, Otto Porter Jr., um, I believe about 30, 31. Gary Payton II, 29. So neither of these guys are young and spry. But clearly, very sound defenders, understand schemes, understand the ability to 
be versatile on the defensive end. Plug those in with the replacements thus far in the early parts of this season. You've got Jermichael Green coming off the bench, playing the for- the primary forward spot, backing up Draymond Green. Um, Dante DiVincenzo was signed as GP2's replacement. He's currently out with a hamstring injury, as was reported on the last show, expected to miss about a week. He's still on the mend. I don't think we have an official timetable on his return. I said, you know, kind of that week mark was what's was what's expected. I have not seen a recent update from the Warriors as far as his availability for the Warriors' upcoming road trip. Um, so it's been Moses Moody who's been slotting in and soaking up a lot of those minutes as the um, kind of combo guard off the bench. And Moody has played admirably well at times. Definitely not perfect. This is his second year. He's still 20 years old, still very young, um, but shows flashes 100%. Moody plays very aggressive in-your-face type defense at times. Um, he switched onto Bam Adebayo in, in last night's game against Miami, held his own. Um, in other times, you could see that he was a little slow on a rotation and missed an assignment. So these are the growing pains of developing youth. And um, outside of Moses Moody, you know, you've got Jonathan Kaminga, who did not play. He picked up a DNP against Miami, um, against Phoenix. He played 15 minutes, more or less, but a lot of that was in garbage time. And so I think, you know, obviously the Warriors would love for Jonathan Kaminga to take that step forward and be this kind of hounding, versatile wing forward defender. Um, but that hasn't come to fruition yet. And, and Kaminga has shown the most comfort playing the four, but we just talked about you've got Jermichael Green and Draymond Green, who are really the one-two options at the four, so that really slots in Kaminga as the third string. So short of an injury to either of those guys, it's going to be very tough for Steve Kerr to find power forward minutes for Kaminga, so that means he's going to play the three. And he's still learning how to play that position, so this is something we're going to continue to be talking about. Jonathan Kaminga's development, and he's going to need to keep a good attitude, a good mentality. He's being encouraged by his teammates. Clay Thompson had had words for him after the game, picking up the DNP, your time will come, stay with it. And so this is just all part of the gauntlet and challenge of being on an incredibly talented team and also being a young player that needs minutes and opportunity for develop and also needing to fit the role that the team needs you to slot into. Um, Last season, Jonathan Kaminga was able to play a substantial amount of time at the power forward spot when Draymond Green missed about 30 games. Otto Porter also was, you know, not playing in back-to-backs and missed handfuls of games here and there as well. So last season as a rookie, Kaminga had a ton of opportunity to play with the starters, um, whether it was in the starting unit or off the bench playing around Steph Curry, getting all that gravity and just being able to be a finisher, whether it was dunks, um, cuts, so on and so forth. So he's really having to change up his game, change up his style, and do what the coaching staff is asking him to do in a much lesser role. And then when he is coming into play, he's typically playing against second units, which, you know, in one perspective should mean that he's playing against lesser competition and, and he should have an easier time to score, But then the flip side of that is he's not on the floor with Steph Curry 
and he hasn't developed a consistent outside shot. And so it's a lot easier for defenders to load up on him and, and stop the drive and force him to shoot and not give him easy looks at the rim. Or if he is able to put his head down and drive, there's help there that forces him to pick up his dribble and kick it out. And so Kaminga is struggling and that's okay. That's a part of the process. It's a part of development. He is learning. He has a huge ceiling, plenty of room to grow. And Warriors, Warriors fans out there, I think just need to stay patient with the young fella, give him an opportunity to continue to learn and work on his game, make the, making the adjustments, playing the three from the four. Um, you know, you don't hope for injury because Draymond Green has been so good. And, and Jermichael Green, we're going to talk a little bit about, about him as well, playing so well against Miami last night. You don't want either of these guys to get hurt, but all it takes is an injury or we'll even see on this uh, this five-game road trip with two back-to-backs if Steve Kerr opts to rest, you know, Draymond Green or Clay Thompson who have been on a minutes restriction um, and if that leads to more opportunities for the young guys. My guess is at this point without seeing any official word from the Warriors and the, the coaching staff and the training staff is I would expect maybe limited minutes or even being rested for one of those games when you're looking at the competition, Charlotte, Detroit, Orlando, um, New Orleans, Miami. So, you know, Miami, New Orleans, those are definitely expected to be playoff teams, but the Hornets, Pistons, and Orlando, those teams are definitely at the bottom tier of the East. So you'd like to think, or not like to, but I am inclined to believe that there will be some opportunity for the young fellas to play assuming that the Warriors are in control of the game. Um, And so we'll see how all of that pans out. So that was kind of a long aside. We were talking about defense. Um, So getting back to it, we're talking about defense here and the loss of Otto Porter Jr. and GP2, how that's impacted the Warriors. You've got this new group of young, talented players who need opportunity to develop and are trying to learn the defensive schemes and systems, but that has limited the Warriors and what they are able to do on the floor. And what we've seen is a first unit of Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney being exceptionally elite on both sides of the floor, as you would expect, as that has been the core for the Warriors throughout their dynastic run. But as soon as you bring in the second unit of Jordan Poole, um, James Wiseman, and Moses Moody, Jermichael Green, even Jonathan Kaminga at times, you start to see lapses, you start to see issues, you start to see mistakes for a variety of reasons. One are turnovers. Turnovers have continually been an issue for the Warriors. That's something that's been going on for quite a while. Um, against the Phoenix Suns, actually, they only had 13, um, 13 turnovers, um, and against the Miami Heat, 13, or sorry, 19 turnovers against the Heat. So, um, you know, a lot of times when you get these turnovers and you're throwing the, throwing the ball away at the top of the key, trying to make a pass to the wing, you're just giving the other team an easy layup. And so that's obviously... That's obviously not going to fly. Those need to be cleaned up. Um, The Warriors are a very pass-friendly team. They like to keep the ball moving. And 
even now more especially what we're seeing is James Wiseman is being force-fed the ball very, very frequently when he's on the floor, especially if he's if the Warriors think that he has a matchup he can win. And that was the case against Miami when Bam Adebayo was off the floor. Even when Bam Adebayo was out there, the Warriors felt like Wiseman had a mismatch on almost every possession. And so they were relentlessly feeding him the ball and it worked out pretty well. Wiseman had uh, 14 points, or sorry, Wiseman had 10 points in 14 minutes against Miami, and Wiseman had 12 points against Phoenix. So Wiseman's been on fire, scoring in double figures in, in all but one game for the Warriors thus far in the, in the early going of the season. I think that's very encouraging and very telling sign. But from a turnover perspective, you've got Jordan Poole, um, Clay Thompson, Jordan Poole, Steph Curry, and Draymond Green all kind of as the main facilitators for this group who can be known to get a little reckless with the ball and throw it away. Um, Jordan Poole especially, but uh, Jordan Poole opened the season with back-to-back games with four turnovers. He's cleaned it up since, which has been really nice to see. Seven assists for Poole, um, which has tied his season high in three games thus far. He's hit seven assists, so that's been really good to see Jordan Poole playmaking there. Um, But the point is that when the Warriors don't take care of the ball and they give away these these live ball turnovers, that's just fueling the other team to get easy looks in transition. Um, the other thing is just personnel and what schemes they're able to run defensively. Last season, we saw a ton of zone from the Warriors just being able to mix it up on the fly. And we're not seeing that right now because, you know, Steve Kerr is really needing to simplify things so guys can understand what's being expected of them. Um, and they're and they're still trying to learn the schemes and learn and learn on the fly. And so that is limiting to Steve Kerr and the coaching staff as to what they can expect from these young guys and what options they have defensively, what schemes they can throw out at opposing defenses, which makes the opposing team's job a little bit easier to kind of know what to expect from the Warriors and not having like switching or trapping or double teaming or these types of things that can um, really throw teams for a loop. So, early struggles defensively from the Warriors in the young season. Um, You know, Draymond Green took some responsibility and accountability for that after the game in Phoenix. We've been really bad defensively. I've been bad. We need to be better. It starts with me. These were words from Draymond Green, paraphrased. And rightfully so. I mean, Draymond Green is the defensive anchor of the Warriors. Um, Real quick on Draymond Green. Green has been on fire to start the season, super aggressive offensively, um, scoring in double figures pretty consistently, getting a lot of easy looks at the rim, very confident takes, um, not, not, not overthinking it, um, you know, and not settling for a lot of threes either. He's just playing in the flow of the offense, making the right reads, making the right decisions, and confidently attacking the rim. And so far, opposing defenses have really sat there and said, Draymond Green's not a scorer. We're not worried about him. And Green's proven them wrong. So that's really great to see this uh, this engaged offensive Draymond Green. Defensively, I think Draymond Green's not giving himself enough credit. He's been quite good defensively as well. Not necessarily racking up the steals and blocks, but just making the right reads and the right plays and trying to be the anchor. Um, and like like I said, the first unit has been really good. It's the second unit that that has needed work. And also, 
you need to factor in that Draymond Green and Klay Thompson have been on a little bit of a minutes restriction. And so when you look at the game in Miami, Green played 30 minutes, Klay Thompson played 29. You still think that they're probably going to bump both of those guys up a little bit more in the coming road trip. Um, That's going to help the team as well. So uh, I know we're kind of jumping all over the place here, but just want to finish this thought here and we'll get back to the game in Phoenix. I think the issue... The issue is is multifold that you want to develop these young guys who need to learn how to play. You've got Clay Thompson and Draymond Green veterans who are still ramping up to get their conditioning to where the training staff wants them to be for Steve Kerr to give them a starter's load of minutes. So then you've got a less balanced second unit. You typically have like Clay Thompson out there. Um, you know, and, and so Steve Kerr's trying to mix it up and, and play with lineups. When you just bring in Jordan Poole and Jonathan Kaminga and Moses Moody and James Wiseman and Jamichael Green as your five-man group and said, all right, go out there and, and execute on both ends, it's going to be rough. That that group hasn't played together before short of this season. And so you're going to have a lot of bumps in the road. You're going to have a lot of mistakes offensively and defensively. Jordan Poole's going to be the point of emphasis for opposing teams and not get as clean of looks offensively um, and try to do too much to set up his teammates and end up with a lot of turnovers. So as Clay Thompson get his, gets his minutes up, you'd like to see Clay Thompson out there with that group and help give Jordan Poole kind of a two-man game and work with Clay. Um, what we saw in the game in Miami is, is Kevon Looney playing more with the second unit and James Wiseman playing more with the first unit to help balance that. Again, just giving different looks, mixing up youth with the vets, obviously you want to keep that first group um, core core minutes in the first and the third, but in the second and fourth quarters, you need to mix it up a little bit and not just go you know five in, five out um, to some extent. And so we're seeing the coaching staff continue to evaluate and make adjustments in this very young season. I think the game in Miami was a great step in the right direction. Miami is definitely a great team. So Let's get back to the game in Phoenix. We've got the Clay Thompson ejection. So all of this frustration for the Warriors not playing defense effectively, um, not, you know, you've got Clay and Draymond not playing the minutes that they think they deserve. And it got to them. I mean, this game in Phoenix meant a lot to both teams. I think it meant a little bit more to the Suns simply because the Suns are really out with the chip on their shoulder after losing in the Western Conference semifinals to the Dallas Mavericks. And so Clay and Devin Booker were going back and forth or jawing at each other. It seems to be in good spirits. It seems to be competitive back and forth play. You've kind of got Clay Thompson, the old guard, and Devin Booker, the new guard. Um, as far as just like, you know, Clay's kind of on the outside looking in and Devin Booker's on his way up, but Clay Thompson's got the rings to prove it. So, you know, I think Clay Thompson had. It all started with Clay Thompson getting a strip on Booker, and it was a really good strip, really good defensive play. And Clay's obviously feeling himself. Devin Booker's jawing back at him. Um, Clay ends up getting teed up for going a little bit too hard. And then on his way back to the bench, he had some choice words for Ed Malloy, who was just like, Nope, you're out of here. So Clay Thompson gets teed up. Um, that happened in the third quarter. Outside of those two technicals, there were an additional five technicals. In that third quarter, you had Steve Kerr get a tech. Um, Chris Paul got a technical foul. DeAndre Ayton got a technical foul. I think Draymond Green got a technical foul. You just had tees flying all over the place. So the refs were 
um, really on a short leash in this game. And, and Warriors fans, I think, will agree with me that there definitely seemed to be a little bit of inequality in the officiating as far as the types of fouls that the Phoenix Suns were getting compared to the types of fouls that the Warriors were getting, um, which obviously led to a lot of frustrations. You've got, again, this young team, this young second unit for the Warriors that haven't really experienced the adversity that the first unit has that definitely got rattled Um, because this was a very high-level, close game. Um, Again, the score after the first quarter was 29 to 37 going into halftime 66 to 72 and then in the third quarter it was phoenix scoring 33 to the warriors 20 um followed by 19 to 29 in the fourth so phoenix just really took over in the second half warriors didn't really have much of a chance there um, Clay Thompson before fouling out one of eight from the field, zero of five from three. Again, we said seven technical fouls in the third quarter, which was an NBA record. Um, Warriors again giving up seventy points in the first half for the third consecutive game, another franchise record. Um, Green, Wiggins, and Curry and Looney continue to dominate, but the rest of the team has been very up and down. Um, Moses Moody got a lot of the minutes while Clay Thompson was out in the second half. He's been stepping forward with Dante DiVincenzo on the mend, playing very aggressively on both sides of the floor. Um, But Moody still, you know, very young and still learning and definitely not an elite defensive player by any by any stretches or means at this time in his young career. He has stretches where he is, you know, hounding the ball in the passing lanes. He's been racking up steals and blocks. He's knocking down open threes. And then he has other moments where he misses a defensive rotation um, or he's just not quite where he needs to be. So that was the game with Phoenix. A little bit of let's leave that in in the rear view and and move forward. Um, Let's get to the game in Miami. Curry, 21 in the second half. Andrew Wiggins had 18 and 10 double-double. Clay Thompson got back on track, 19 points with five threes. We saw Curry and Green really seeking out Klay Thompson for open looks. As soon as Klay started to hit a few, um, the Warriors just really started to, to just try and focus on getting Klay open looks. 123-110 uh, was the final score. Poole and Curry were doing most of the playmaking. Poole had seven assists and Curry had nine. Six players and double figures for the Warriors. Curry with 33. Wiggins had 18. Green with 10, Clay with 19, Wiseman with 10, Poole with 11. Uh, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but playing time, Clay Thompson was bumped up to 29 minutes. Draymond Green was at 30. Jordan Poole only played 21. Moses Moody got 17. Kavon Looney got 29. James Wiseman, 14. So a couple takeaways here looking at the playing time. Obviously, you know, Jordan Poole only 21 minutes. Steve Kerr has said that he really wants to play Jordan Poole 30 minutes a night, but Poole's going to need to step up his defense. And what we saw in this game at home against Miami was the Warriors really wanted to win this game. And so Steve Kerr played the hot hand. He played the guys who were playing effectively on both ends of the floor that were giving the Warriors the best chance to win. And so since you had Klay Thompson shooting well, um, well, Klay Thompson was somewhat of a volume shooter, 5 of 14 from 3. Um, but since you had clay, you know, uh, you know, 
scoring effectively with 19. Wiggins with 18, Curry with 33. We just talked about that. Um, he didn't need as much scoring from Poole, and so he leaned more on Moses Moody. Also, what we saw was Miami played pretty small, but they also played with a lot of these kind of combo forwards. You've got Jimmy Butler, Caleb Martin, um, Strauss, a lot of kind of shooters that you need to switch on but can also rebound. And so I think we just saw more of Moses. Um, we saw more Kavon Looney in this game, 29 minutes, than we did in others because he was playing effectively. He was anchoring our defense. He was making the right reads and plays. And so Steve Kerr rode with him. Um, Jordan Poole was still effective in his 21 minutes, 11 points, seven assists, four of seven from the field, only two turnovers. Um, and he was he was working hard on defense. There were a couple hustle plays. He ended up getting a steal, um, a couple good closeouts. He did foul a three-point shooter on a long closeout. But it was clear, at least from an eye test perspective, that Jordan Poole is making strides defensively. This isn't a guy who's sitting there and making a ton of mistakes that Steve Kerr's having to yank him out and saying, come on, man, what are you doing? Um, this is Jordan Poole continuing to work at his game, continue, continuing to grow and develop in his role as kind of being the primary facilitator when Steph Curry's off the floor, leading the second unit, and then also slotting in next to Steph Curry and at times Clay Thompson as well, depending on who's on the floor around them in a three-guard lineup. Um, or just playing next to Steph Curry in a two-guard lineup. So Jordan Poole is being asked to do a lot of different things, wear a lot of different hats, and play different roles than he did last season. Um, sometimes the shot attempts are there, sometimes they're not. The facilitating has been really encouraging to see. The defense continues to improve, but continue, but needs to improve more if Poole is going to want to play consistently 30 minutes a night. But overall, I was impressed with his play. He didn't seem frustrated with the low playing time, which is great. Obviously, the win is what's most important. And again, Jordan Poole, I think this was, was his third game with seven assists. That's really great to see. He could have easily had 10, um, the way he was trying to feed Wiseman. And so this is just what, this is the balancing act of the season. The Warriors are, they obviously want to win games and they want to execute and they want to play, but they're not hunting wins like they were last season. They are the repeat champions. And so there is a little bit of flexibility here in terms of some nights it's going to be about focusing on youth and development and other nights it's going to be, we really need to win this game and we're going to execute and we're going to lean on our starters. And so last night against Miami was the latter. Um, another thing that I want to hit on here, Wiseman very effective in limited minutes, 14 minutes and 10 points. Like I said, you know, Wiseman's really being spoon-fed when he's out there on the floor. And that's really great to see that he gets this high usage, low minute role and um, very, very effective and efficient shooting inside. Um, a couple nice offensive rebound putbacks. Just really great to see Wiseman's development on the offensive end. Defensively continues to be a work in progress. And I'll leave that at that. Um, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson combined for 28 three-point field goal attempts, 14 apiece. Klay hit five, Curry hit seven. Steph Curry has just been on a tear since the season kicked off. 30 or more points in four games. Just so efficient and scoring at all levels, attacking the rim from three, from the, from, uh, from the mid-range. Curry's just been doing it all. 
and has really not lost a step, turning 35 this year, but you wouldn't know it. Um, Steph Curry has really been instrumental in leading the Warriors to three of their early season wins. Um, another really good thing, Draymond Green and Andrew Wiggins both attempted 10 field goals apiece. This just speaks to two things. One, Draymond Green's continued aggressiveness offensively, and two, how much of a good fit Andrew Wiggins is with this team. Wiggins had 18 and 10. Um, Wiggins has been, you know, the second most consistent offensive weapon for the Warriors in this young season. You could have so many other guys in his position be upset that they only got 10 shot attempts. Wiggins will take what he gets and he's happy. He's going to work for those offensive rebounds and find ways to contribute in different ways. He's not going to get bent out of shape that he only took 10 shots this game and gets 15 another game. So I think that's really important. And like we said, Draymond Green, when Draymond Green is aggressive offensively and getting shots at the rim and scoring effectively, the Warriors are going to win a lot of games. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit, but just, just to hit on this again, Miami played a lot of small ball. Bam Adebayo was their only was their only true center who's really more of a power forward anyways, honestly. Um, and so that led to more minutes for Green and Kevon Looney over James Wiseman. Warriors out-rebounded Miami 50-31. to 16 offensive boards led by Jermichael Green, who had four. Jermichael Green's box score isn't really going to pop out on you, but he was aggressive attacking the rim. So was James Wiseman. So was Andrew Wiggins. So was Draymond Green. This gave the Warriors so many additional shot attempts and a lot of additional looks from three, which allowed Steph Curry and Klay Thompson to really catch fire hitting you know, 12 of 28 three-pointers. We hit on this a little bit. We've got a five-game, seven-day road trip coming up, which includes two back-to-backs, Hornets, Pistons, Miami, Orlando, and New Orleans. These should all be winnable games. Obviously, I think the New Orleans game is probably going to be the most challenging, depending on who is healthy and available for the Pelicans. They currently have a plethora of their starters dealing with a variety of ailments. Brandon, Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, Jonas Valanciunas. Well, Jonas Valanciunas is, is not injured. Um, and Herb Jones, I think, are the three. Uh, Ingram, Zion, and Herb Jones have each been dealing with a variety of injuries. We'll see who is available at the end of that trip. Um, that's obviously going to be a very competitive game. Um, but these other four Hornets-Pistons rematch against Miami and Orlando, um, you know, three of those should be, you know, very winnable games, great opportunities to develop the young guys. It'll be interesting to see what Steve Kerr and the coaching staff or training staff do with two sets of back-to-backs. Where do Clay Thompson and Draymond Green end up minutes-wise? Um, if they do end up resting some of those games, how do, you know, Moody and Kaminga and Wiseman perform? Um, and maybe we even end up getting a look at Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rawlings. Um, probably unlikely because they're really at the end of the bench, but who knows? That's all we got for you guys today. And once again, this has been a We Believe Golden State Warriors basketball podcast, a Sports Ethos presentation. Give me a follow over at Twitter if you haven't already. That's at SDHorlick. Subscribe, rate, and review the show. Let's go, Dub Nation, and we'll catch you.
catch you on the next one.